The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Good morning. Uh, today's scripture reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 22, verses 1 through 22. Uh, and by way of context, this is the Apostle Paul speaking in Jerusalem to a crowd that is, shall we say, displeased. Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Rise, and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me, and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me, and standing by me, said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight, and I saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth, for you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Up to this word they listened to him, and then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth! for he should not be allowed to live. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ. Well, you know, when you're a freshman in college, sometimes you don't make the wisest choices. A friend, uh, several friends and I thought it would be a great idea to rent 
an RV and to drive from Oxford, Mississippi, from Ole Miss, to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to LSU, to go to the Ole Miss-LSU game. It'd be a great trip. And so it started out great. We rented the RV. We made it to Baton Rouge. We found the RV parking. We found a spot, and there were all these LSU fans. And they loved us because we were the only Ole Miss people there. And we were these little young freshmen whippersnappers. And man, they fed us like kings. To this day, it's the best food I've ever had in my entire life. And they even helped us get to go on a tour to see Mike the Tiger, the LSU mascot, a 750-pound Bengal tiger. He was very cool. And then they helped us find the stadium and get our tickets. It was going great. And we found our seats, and the game started. And then the refs made a few bad calls, and the crowd started getting a little anxious and angry. And then Ole Miss had the nerve to start winning, and it went south quickly. Soon... People were screaming and cussing and throwing things, and Ole Miss won. And we hightailed it out of there. (laughs) We made it back to our RV, got inside, and we thought, oh, thank you, Jesus, we're safe. And then we heard the screaming and the yelling, and the RV started rocking back and forth, and there was banging, and we sped out of there, thankful that we were alive. In reality, our lives were not at risk. But in our passage today, Paul's really is. He's preaching the gospel, and a crowd gets angry. They think that he has defiled the temple, and they're angry. And they start screaming and yelling, and they start beating him. And their plan is to kill him. But in God's sovereign goodness and kindness... He, uh, uh, the Roman tribute who's over this garrison of soldiers sees what's happening. And these Roman soldiers rush down, grab Paul, and they body surf him out of this angry mob. And they save his life. And they get back and Paul says, wait, I want to, let me stand on the steps. I want to speak to the crowd. I want to talk to the people that just tried to kill me. You can imagine that Roman tribute going, what in the world are you, why? What are you thinking? And yet that's what happens here in our story. And as we look into this story, we see first, what's the reason for that? Second, we see it's because of a rescue that happened. And third, we learn that there is a representation that has to happen. So look with me at verses 1 through 5. Our story starts with the reason. Why would Paul want to talk to a crowd that just tried to kill him? Because he loves them. If you look at verse 1, he loves them because he's like them. He loves them and wants to talk to them because he's been where they are. 
he waves at them, and they quiet down a little bit. But they're still upset. They're still screaming. They're still cussing. Uh, but then he speaks to them in their native language, in Aramaic. I've seen this happen. Our daughter's really good with Spanish. And just a couple of months ago, she moved into a different apartment. And so Wheat and I helped her move in. And we went to go see some of the amenities. There was a gym and a place to work out. And we thought, ooh, let's go see it. And we got in there. And there's this group of uh, workers that we kind of didn't realize were doing a lot of work on the gym. And we weren't supposed to be in there. But, you know, there's a treadmill. And Wheat hopped up on the treadmill. And she was going. And I looked out. And I noticed the, the workers, they were anxious. They were a little nervous and uh, worried. And then I, I saw Emmy, our daughter, start speaking to them in Spanish, their native language. And everything changed. They relaxed. They began to smile. They still had to kick us out. He spoke to them in their native language, and it comforted them, and it, and it quietened them. And then he said, hey, guys, listen, I'm like you. I've been where you are. I understand these things. And they got quieter because he said, I'm a Jew. I was not born in Jerusalem, but I grew up in Jerusalem. And not only that, I, I understand your anger. I understand your frustration. I understand why you're so worked up because I was a zealot too. And I worked hard at keeping the law of Moses, verse 3. Philippians 3 tells us Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He's walked in their shoes and so he did understand it. He said, I'll go even further. You're angry and you want to kill me, but these Roman soldiers saved me. What you couldn't do today, I've done. Did you see it? He said, I've been responsible for men and women of the way, Christians being imprisoned and beaten and even helped in the murder of some of those Christians. He said, my pedigree, my credentials are incredible on paper. I understand you. I've been where you are. But I want to tell you something. I'm in a different place. The reason I now want to talk to you is because I've been saved from that. I've been saved from that intensity. And that thing, trying to keep the law, trying to be perfect, trying to be good enough. And I have freedom. And because of that freedom, because of the grace of God, I now love you because I've been loved by God who sent his son to die that I might live. I've been given grace and so I want to tell you my story, yes. I want to talk to you even though you want to kill me. What about us? What about you? What about me? Do you have a heart? Do I have a heart for the lost? i got to confess to you, lately I've been so busy. Things have been so crazy. I needed this passage because I hadn't been thinking about the lost. I've been thinking about myself. I've, I've been thinking about us. And there's a place for that. 
But I needed to be reminded that as Christians, we need, we must have a love for the lost because of the grace we've been given. We were dead in our sin. And Jesus sought us out. And so we have to seek the lost. Paul says, I get it. Who do you get? Who are you like? What group, what people, what crowd would God have you speak to? What people would God ask you to tell the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to? If we don't think about it, we'll forget to do it. Life is wild and crazy, and you and I get so busy. And Paul says, wait, stop. Give the gospel away. We have been given this great gift and this great opportunity to take the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who are lost, and we get it because we've been there. And he calls us to take it. Russ Ramsey, one of our site pastors, a site pastor of Cool Springs, wrote this incredible book. If you've not read it, you got to read it. It's called Rembrandt is in the Wind, Learning to Love Art Through the Eyes of Faith. And he, ta- he takes pictures and art and he talks about them. And Rembrandt did several pictures of Jesus' crucifixion. And in one of them, in the corner of it, he painted himself. You see, what a perfect way to express what is true. Had we been there, we would have crucified Jesus. And yet, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have, will have eternal life. We've been given grace. And God calls us to give it back, to take this gift to a lost world. Secondly, we see this rescue. Look at verses 6 to 16. Paul's on his way to Damascus to continue to persecute Christians, and Jesus meets him there, and in a sense, he lights Paul up. The light is so bright that he falls down, and he's blinded. And then he gets to Damascus, and God provides a Jew who has come to Christ, Ananias. And God restores Paul's sight. And it's at this point that we know this persecutor becomes a preacher for the Lord Jesus Christ. And our scripture says, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized. Now we know baptism doesn't save us, but it is an outward sign of what's happened inwardly in Paul. It's an outward sign of God's work in Paul. Paul has come to know Christ. Paul has come to the place where he has laid aside his pedigree, laid aside all of his good works, understanding that those can't and will not save him. Only Jesus saves. And this Jew gives his heart and his life to Christ, and he's baptized. Then he says... 
Here's what happens after that. Look at verses 13. Paul's sight is restored, light, sight, and Paul comes to Christ. God rescues him. In verse 14, God, the God of our fathers is the same statement that's used at the burning bush when God calls Moses to go and be his witness. Go and be his mouthpiece. Go and be his storyteller. And now he's calling Paul to do that. Furthermore, the term the righteous one that's used in verse 14 is also a messianic term pointing to the reality that Jesus is the Messiah, the promised one. And so Paul's not forsaking his love for God. He's becoming even more Jew, maybe we could say it. He's putting his trust in the one that God has been talking about since Genesis 3. And he set apart a people, Israel. He chose them not because they were great. Remember how he did it? It was the smallest nation, surrounded by all these big nations. But he did it so the world could see the power of the love of God for sinners like you. Enlighten me. And he is appointing Paul. He's calling Paul to go and be a witness, an evangelist, to share his story to a world that desperately and deeply needs it. His story of how he was met on the road to Damascus and on that road saved and now sent. How do we make Jesus our Lord and our boss? Verse 14, he says, know his will. Is Jesus your king? Is Jesus your Lord? Is he your boss? What about in your relationships? Do you let him lord over those relationships, especially the hard ones? Or do you walk away from them? How about your marriage? How about in dating? How about in sex, in gender? How about in what you watch, in what you look at, and how you talk? Now listen. God says don't be legalistic. And God says don't be liberal. Be gospel. It's never okay to be a jerk for Jesus. But it's also not okay to do gymnastics with his word. There's right and there's wrong. And he's the one that sets the standard. He is a loving, gracious God. But even grace has standards, not to hurt us, but to help us. He gives us his law and it becomes beautiful to us when we realize it is his mechanism to help us learn to live life in abundance. We are so thankful that Jesus came and saves us because hell is real. And his work on the cross keeps us from that eternal damnation. But it's way more than that. He came to save us unto life in abundance. He gives us his law. He gives us his word to lead us to quiet waters and green pastures doesn't mean life's going to be great and we're going to get the Ferrari every time 
But it does mean he will shepherd us through and help us learn to live in the way we were created to live. Make him your Lord. Do his will. Do it his way, not our way. And verse 14 again, the righteous one means focus on Christ. Focus on what he has done. He left heaven. He didn't have to. He lived a perfect life because we can't. And he died a criminal's death because he loves us and he wants to have a personal, intimate relationship that grows and matures and changes us and enables us to live the way we're really meant to live, to enjoy being who he created us to be and enabling us to walk in his way. And then again in verse 14, another way that Paul tells us to live, hear a voice from his mouth. I love David. I don't know who said this. David could tell us who it is, but David says it all the time, and I love it. Get into the Word so the Word can get into you. Let the Bible teach you and train you. The Bible says the Word of God is all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, and training in righteousness. Let it mold you and make you. like Christ. Let it shape you. Again, I got to confess, I got a little bit of ADD, and I'd rather do things that are easy and easier. I'd rather watch football. I'd rather watch hockey. I'd rather get on X. I'd rather look at TikTok. I'd rather look at Instagram. And when I account for how much time I spend doing that, it's frightening. Maybe you're like me. So would you help me and let's help each other? I'm going to commit. I'm going to watch one last quarter of football <laughs> and spend it in the Bible. I'm going to put a timer on my phone when I want to look at TikTok or X or Instagram so I don't go for hours. Maybe reality TV is your drug. Whatever it is, we must be men and women of the word so that we become like Christ. Mark Twain said it this way. It's not the things in the Bible I don't understand that bother me. It's the things I do understand. Man. So here's the thing, y'all. Paul told his story to this angry mob. And God used it. Hey, Austin. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to use the perfect scripture. Remember how Jesus said it to the demoniac when he saved that man from the misery he was in? That man said, Jesus, I just want to come with you. And Jesus said, no, no. I'm leaving you here. Go and simply tell them what I've done for you. We have to, because of what has happened to us, go and tell our stories. When's the last time you told your story, God's story, to someone? Don't worry about being perfect. Don't worry about getting it right. Just go tell them what's happened to you. That's what Paul did. And look how God used it. And do this. Don't forget because Paul shows us 
in his example. Make sure Jesus is the hero in your story. I'm looking out at y'all. Everybody here, y'all look nice, neat, and pretty. But I'm a care pastor. I know you're not. I hope you know I'm not. We're all a mess. It's so bad that God the Father had to send God the Son to come save us. And he did. And we want the world to know it. I was on uh, Instagram, and I saw this story. It was about a man who rescued this uh, chocolate lab, looked like a chocolate lab. He found her on the side of the road, and she was dying. He got her to the vet. They uh, healed her and helped her, and he took her home to be his dog. And his wife, they fell in love with the dog. But his wife noticed something. No matter what she did, every day, that dog would go and sit at the top of their driveway and wait. She'd do this, that, and the other, but she'd always be at the top of the driveway, tail wagging. And when his truck came around the corner, I saw pictures of it, she exploded with excitement. Her tail was going 90 to nothing. Finally, the wife thought, well, you know, I mean, especially on days when it's raining, I, I need to get her inside. She just broke out so she could be at the front of the driveway to meet him when he came up. She thought, well, maybe she'll take it better if I put her in the backyard outside. She did that, broke out again. She finally, everything she tried didn't work, and so she gave up. Oh, that we would be like that. We were dead, and he made us alive. We were helpless and hopeless and angry like that crowd and Jesus healed us and he gives us hope because he loves us he loves us he knows everything about us and he loves us tell your story who is it that God wants you to tell it to what crowd do you understand who are you like go give them your story of grace and love Lastly, we see a story of representatives. If you look at verses 17 to 21, Paul tells his story, and it goes fine. He's, they're fine until, I mean, he says, hey, listen, talks about Jesus. They don't get upset. They're Jewish. They don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. He says, I've come to Christ. I've been converted. They don't get mad. They let him continue until he says what? Oh, and God has appointed me. God has called me. What my choice, but he's called me to go to the Gentiles. And they blow up. And they said, well, that's it. We've got to kill him again. You know, now we've got to do it again. What is it about that? You see, they didn't appreciate that God's grace was not just for the Jew, but for the Gentile too. And so they get angry. And so, y'all, it's easy to get wrapped up in our lives. It's easy to get wrapped up in our city. It's easy to get wrapped up in our nation and forget that God calls us into the world with the gospel. 
It's good, and we must share the gospel in Nashville, Tennessee. It's good and right, and we must share the gospel in the United States of America. But we cannot, we must not forget what Paul's telling us here this morning. The gospel must go out into all the nations. The gospel must go to the Gentiles. And who are the Gentiles? They were just anybody that wasn't a Jew. Verse 21, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And you see, that was Israel's foundational purpose. You remember how he put it? God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, 3, In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Genesis 18, Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Genesis 22, In your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And Isaac, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heavens, and I will give to your offspring all these lands, and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Israel was created and blessed, not because of how great they were. They were the smallest nation. But they were blessed, why? To go and be a blessing. And we are spiritual Israel. We are the sons and daughters of God. We're the family of God. And that call, that purpose, that plan is still in place. We are to go into all the world and give the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're to be his representatives, his ambassadors, his storytellers. Elijah Layfield sitting right here, our director of missions in evangelism. We have missionaries in Italy. We have missionaries in England. We have missionaries in Belgium. We have missionaries in Spain. We have missionaries in Africa and in the Ukraine. Now, not all of us can go to those places. But we all get to be a part of God growing his kingdom and saving souls through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because we are Christians. This is our church. We're a family. We're the family of God. And he calls us in whatever way we can to be a part of that world-changing mission. I reading a book called The Peace Child. It's about the Richardsons. And they were a Canadian couple who just had a baby but couldn't get off their heart a call from God to go to Papua New Guinea. They had heard in a missions class about these head-hunting cannibals. And they thought, we've just had a baby. We can't do that. What in the world? But they couldn't get away from it. And so they went into the jungles of Papua New Guinea to a Sawi people, a tribe, who the pinnacle of that tribe was to trick somebody into thinking that you loved them and cared about them so you could kill them and eat them. It's a true story, y'all. 
And this mother and father took their baby and built a house in the trees to reach these tribes. And they weren't getting anywhere. And finally they thought, well, I guess we misunderstood and we need to leave. And when they said that, these two tribes said, no, no, tomorrow, stay. We promise if you'll stay, we'll make peace with one another. And the next morning they got up and both tribes were standing on the edges of the jungle. And a a man from one tribe grabbed his only son, a baby that had just been born. And he ran over to the opposing tribe and he handed that son to one of their men. And after that happened, a man from that tribe took one of his children and he ran over to the opposing tribe and he handed his son to one of those men. And they said, this is the peace child. As long as this baby, these babies are alive, we have to have peace. And it hit Don. That's it. And he shared with them about God's peace child. And the peace that they could have forever. Because Christ had died. But Christ had risen. And that's when it hit. And conversions exploded through those tribes. And through those tribes out into those jungles. We get to be a part of that, y'all. Would you pray with me? How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That he should give his only son. To make a wretch his treasure. Behold the man upon a cross. My sin upon his shoulder. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice. Call out. Among the scoffers, it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection why should I gain from his reward I cannot give an answer but this I know with all my heart 
His wounds have paid my ransom. Father, would you help us tell our stories? Would you help us take the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to Nashville, to our nation, and to all the nations? Thank you that we get to be a part of that. Would you use us mightily and powerfully that you might receive glory and honor and praise. We ask all this in the name of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.